Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I've got a rock star on today. You guys are going to love this guy. Scott Schilling is with us. So we'll be right back. And here we are. Let me bring Scott on. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Really excited about this. Did did I get your last name right? It's Schilling. Correct. Schilling. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else you would pronounce that, but but uh, you never know. Shy lying no, or something. No, every once in a while, it's chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We have some rock stars already joining us, and I'm sure that all of these fine people are sharing this out. So thank you for that in advance. But um, so, Scott, um, you know, I started this show about two and a half, three years ago almost. Um, and it, it was literally to help people get unstuck in life. And I think we've all been through ups and downs and had our challenges. And, and so I'm excited to hear your story. Let's start with where you were born and raised. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, beautiful. Wow. Actually, the first suburb left, Wauwatosa. Really? <laughs> yep. So, so I grew up in the where, Midwest. Love it. Isn't that where Laverne and Shirley was? <laughs> exactly. It was one of, the, one of the five breweries that were open when I grew yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm from I'm from Ohio, so not not too awful far. We're considered Midwest as well. So yeah. um, it, from Milwaukee, though, we're probably considered more like the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be true. That would be true. <laughs> like, yeah, it's way up there. So so, um, so what was it like for you growing up? I, you went to school there, high school? Yeah, I, I made it to, to 18 in Milwaukee. I uh, uh, was, you know, very fortunate. My dad worked for the same company for 46 years. I thought that was the only thing that, that you ever did. Wow. So that was part of my, uh, my upbringing. My mom, uh, you know, was the, uh, uh, secretary to the superintendent of schools. So it was very, you know, in line in school and all that very fortunate yeah. played five sports. Wow. Um, uh, so I was very interactive. And uh, when it came, I always thought I was going to play football at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, it was uh, the same colors as my high school colors and all those kinds of wonderful things. And John Jardine told me I wasn't good enough to play in the Big Ten. Wow. And, uh, I did not share that uh, uh, <laughs> that opinion. So <laughs> I went to the University of Iowa and ended up playing for Coach Hayden Fry. Wow. Now, the next year, uh, John Jardine was fired at Wisconsin. Uh, Good. Coincidence? I think not. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're out of here, John. You don't know how to recruit. So so you played, was it football? Yeah, I played football at the University of Iowa. Wow. And, okay. and just absolutely loved. You know, people talk about great football coaches. Coach Hayden Fry is, is absolutely legendary. Uh, but as much football as I learned from the man, I actually learned that much business from him as well. And absolutely, 
when you get into uh, sports at that level, it is actually a business. And uh, it was amazing what an expert he was at, at business, at entrepreneurialism as a football coach. And um, absolutely amazing. Learned so many lessons from the man that, quite frankly, I use to this day. Wow, that's awesome. So you're a huge Buckeye fan. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. <laughs> I had that wrong. in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, it was funny. I was talking to a, a, a gentleman that runs a charity out of Columbus the other day. And uh, I said, boy, playing in the big house, or not the big house, that's Michigan, but playing in the horseshoe, Yeah. Um, you know, you, you come out of the tunnel and the 2,500 visiting fans are to your left and you, and they were all in black and gold and you go, Oh my God, they're all here for us. This is awesome. <laughs> and then you turn into the horseshoe yeah. and there's 85,000 <laughs> others. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not dressed in black and gold. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's gotta be, um, it's gotta be a little um, uh, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's intimidating. You know, yeah. you, you just uh, go in and all of a sudden you go, Oh my goodness, we are outnumbered. <laughs> so who, what, who was coach for the Buckeyes back then? Was that, um, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was just after Woody, uh, just after Woody. And, and, uh, I think it was Earl Bruce. Okay. Yeah. Because Earl Bruce had come from Iowa state and we had actually played him there one year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love college football. In fact, I, I like college football way more than I like the NFL. They just totally have agree. much more. They have so much more seems like to, 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 to gain. I, I don't know. They're hung, more hungry or something. I don't totally know. agree. Yeah. Like, like Les Brown says, you gotta be hungry. Hungry. <laughs> So, so, um, and there's a legend, you know, that guy right there. Uh, absolutely. We did an event out in California many years ago. Ben is the man. Love that dude. So, so Scott, um, you went to, so you went to college in Iowa. Uh, I, I actually spent a month in Des Moines one time, felt like a year. Yeah. You spent <laughs> a month there one day. Yeah, right, right. But like, you know, and, and I, I'm not picking on it, but it like, man, you drive, I, I happen to be in, in a corporate training environment and it required a lot of driving around the state of Iowa. Um, and it's windy, number one, like really windy. People don't understand wind. Well, you get to you duck down to below the corn. <laughs> Right. Right. So, but you'd see triple trailer semis blown over on the, on the interstate. It was crazy. Well, but, both trees so, are on the other end of the state. <laughs> right. So what, after you got out of co I assume you graduated college. What, what was your degree in business or? Yeah. Bachelor of business administration with a double major in marketing and insurance. Okay. So you get out of college and decided this is it. I'm staying right here in Iowa. I love this place. Well, it was actually funny. I was very blessed. I, I had seven job offers at a time. Most people had none. Wow. I narrowed it down to three, um, which one of them was IBM. I wasn't exactly that uh, 
blue suit, white shirt, red tie guy. Yeah. So I kind of put that out. Well, then it came down to an Iowa company, a manor refrigeration, $500 million. Wow. Or Shell Oil, a you know, multi-billion dollar company. Right. And I figured that I could move to the, to the top of um, a $500 million company faster than I could a multi-billion dollar company. And who the heck would ever want to live in Texas? Of course, yeah. I went to work for Amana. Then they transferred me to Chicago, six years oh. in Chicago. Then they transferred me to Dallas, and I've been here 32 years. Good for you. <laughs> Dallas rocks, man. Oh, Dallas is awesome. But, I, you know, again, that whole who the heck would ever want to live in Texas? And then my company transferred me there. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know Craig Doeswalt? Uh-huh. Sure. So he just he just moved over there to I yeah, think he, he got to Texas area. as soon as he could. That's what most people do. Yeah. Well, everybody seems to be leaving California headed to headed to Texas. So sure. Yeah. I mean Elon Musk, he's setting he's a trendsetter. He is, man. It, it it's a great, it's a great state, great place. Shock and Dyson, how you doing, my brother? So so um so you you ended up living in Dallas. Thir you said 32 years ago you moved there? Yep, 30 hard to believe for a 29-year-old guy, but yeah. I I know, like wow. <laughs> so so you so talk about what happened and this was a manna you were working for? Yeah, I was working for a manna refrigeration. I was very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I I was a national sales trainer at 25. Uh I became a um uh the youngest sales manager in history at 26 in Chicago. Then I became the youngest divisional manager in history when I came down to Dallas and it was, it was wonderful. We were able to, uh, you know, put in a culture, build an organization, do everything and grow very quickly. And uh, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but about 13 and a half years into my corporate career, corporate America changed. Yeah. And in the way, you know, like when I came down to Dallas, it was where else could you build a business using somebody else's money and all their resources? And I said, that's great. Let me just ask, once we get it built, can I sell it? And they said, no, get out of here. So yeah. uh, anyway, so I, I chose to then, um, you know, go out consulting and, and doing that. Being in front of a room had always been natural for me, so you know, training and things like that. Yeah. So I went out consulting and then ultimately to become a professional speaker, trainer, and coach. Wow. Well, that that was that was a that was a fast transition. So so you so 13 years into your corporate gig things, you saw things starting to change. What was, and, and you also mentioned that you, you'd became, you became the youngest, a couple of different titles you threw out there real quick. Um, what, what do you think it was that separated you from the rest of the pack? I mean, you're, especially in corporate America. I mean, dude, let's be real. It, it's not, I mean, it's not easy to move up. No, if, I think if you would put it to one thing, it would be want to. Mm. I, I had a lot of want to, you know, mm. uh, I never really saw any limitation. You know, again, when when it came to presenting a product and, and uh, training others to do the same, 
Right. I just thought it was something that you did, you know, and, and you lived it and you really wanted to do that. So that became the, the corporate training. Well, because I was able to do that, then that became sales management and not only a sales guy, but then sales management and then divisional management. Um, but it, I think the bottom line is it comes down to want to. You you can learn the rest. You can see all the the tapes and uh, systems and stuff I have behind me. You know, you can learn a lot of the skill sets, but the one thing you can't learn is want to. And and as long as you have want to, you can make anything else happen. And you know, we're sitting in a time where if that's really the truth for anybody right now. You can learn other things as long as you have the desire to do those things. So, mm. so, so you, so you, and, and you said at 13 years, things started changing. Do you know this girl right here? I do. I love her. You talk about a rock star. JMO is the she's, rock star right she's, there. She's, she's, yeah. I love that woman. So, so, um, at 13 years, things start changing and you may started making some transitions. Yeah. The, the, the corporate environment changed at the time. And I was a, a young gun at the time, you know, I had uh, been, been, uh, you know, rocketed through the system was tremendously uh, successful at the age and it, you know, the combination of things there and maybe a little too much of the pea and vinegar, you know, but um, they made some um, requests of me that I didn't wholeheartedly agree with. And the one thing is it was their company. And because they asked me to do those things and it was their company, if I were to stay there, I would have to do what they had asked to do. And I didn't agree with them. And so therefore I had a choice and that's what I shared with them. I said, I've got to look at one guy in the mirror every morning and whether this, you feel this is a great decision overall or not, it's a great decision for me. I'm choosing to resign and go off and do other things other than to have to implement something that I don't agree with. <clears throat> and, and so you left and started your own business. Yeah. I left and started consulting and, and working. Well, actually, in the in the beginning, uh, I had a uh, about the same time that that all came down, somebody needed a vice president of sales and marketing. And they said, you've been kicking our butt for about three years. I know you're not interested, but do you know anybody that is the old, you know, let me throw that line out there. Yeah. And I said, well, who says I'm not interested? So literally, <laughs> I resigned on Friday and went to work on Monday uh, for them for a while. And, and that's called the takeaway close. It was a takeaway closed <laughs> on me and uh, they won. And so it was, it was uh, pretty funny. Uh, that's, but again, I, it was just part of my selling education. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, so yeah, integrity first. And, and, and I, I love that about you, man. So, so, you started at this new company, VP of sales, um, probably making millions of dollars a year. Well, I, I had a, I had a better car. I had a 35% raise, all sorts of different things happened. Right. So, 
Uh, and but what the what the owner of the company didn't tell me is that they just lost their biggest brand and 38% of their business left. And oh. I had to come in and fix it. Now here's the good news. 10 months later, we recaptured the 38% that was lost. Wow. So we got innovative. Well done. We hustled. We, we did the things that you have to do. You know, I know you find this hard to believe. Sometimes business throws you a curve. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's always been easy for me. I, yeah. I don't know well, I know that's, that's why I'm honored to be on the show because I want to learn from the guys. It's always been easy for. Yeah. Right. You know, right. that's, that's the, the point is it's not, it's not that business or life is going to be without challenges. It's right. You're going to have a ton of them, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, the it's, it's not that it's how you deal with them. You know, one of yeah. my mentors uh, shares a, a, an equation for this E plus R equals O it's, Hey Glenn, how you doing? Uh, it, it's not the events in your life that determine your outcome. It's the events plus your response to those events that determine the outcome. So again, you're going to have a lot of events in your life and you're going to have a lot of events in your career. It's not those things. It's, what you either learn from them, how you get upset with them, how you embrace them, whatever the case is, that really determines your outcome. And I, I'm a huge believer that, quite frankly, all things work together for my good. I didn't say all things are good. I didn't say all things are easy. <laughs> right. I said all things work together for my good. That is such an, an important part of that statement. So, so, so um, so you you in your first 10 months with this company you recapture the 38% and how how long did you end up staying with that and were they in the refrigeration apply I mean they they were a, an independent distributor that that was also in the appliance industry but okay. also then added electronics so we had TVs we had stereo systems we had a variety of different things and quite frankly that's what I had to do um, is I had to go out and source um, a, a compatible product line yeah. that we could put into place to take away the vacuum that was created by the by the line that left. Okay. And we were able to do that. And it was actually in, in a weird way, because we had something new, we could reinvigorate the sales force and we could give them something to go talk about, even though we lost another portion of the business. Right, right. And how long did you stay there? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. Not not tremendously long. The the um, again, it was one of the things that was agreed upon when I came in was that this guy kept on. You ever you ever um, know anybody that would take their business, hit the ceiling, drive it back down to the basement so they could grow it back up to the ceiling, drive it back down to the base. Well, he had done that multiple times. And that's, a, said, that's a mental disorder. <laughs> exactly. And it, it is. Well, yeah, it, it, it really was. Yeah. And I said, as long as you keep your hands off, I'm here. Yeah. And again, it was another one of those, um, 
you know, we about a year and a half in, even though that we had recaptured the business and we had grown the business, we had done all this different stuff. Yeah. He was upset that I was able to accomplish that with his team and he wasn't able to accomplish that with his team. And so he said, I'm, I'm going to take back control. And I yeah. said, that wasn't our agreement. And he said, well, then leave. And I said, okay. You know, I mean, I wasn't, again, you, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Right. Amen. You, know, you, can't, you can't go through it. Like I said, it's not always easy. Right. You, but, but you've got to stand with integrity um, because that's what you, that what you have to live on, you know, going forward. Amen. I agree a thousand percent. So, so you left there and, and I've, I, I have had my uh, fair share of run-ins with those egomaniacs and they're not, I don't know if they're even egomaniacs there. There might be an edge of just pure dumbness. <laughs> I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, this the 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 gentleman ended up taking his own life an, a year after I left. So yeah. it, there was some. I mean, it was a a monster thing. <laughs> <laughs> just just leave it up to Glenn to throw exactly. one out there. <laughs> exactly. I love that dude. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. So, so, um, so you, you ended up leaving. Here's what I, my, here's my, my theory. I think that because you said that in your previous position, you had started doing some consulting, you started, I'm sure at that point you're thinking, man, I, I could do so much more if it was my, my deal, my business, and 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 I call that the entrepreneurial poisoning. Like all of a sudden you're exactly. like, and, and and then you try working. You're like, oh no, get rid of that thought. No, we can't. Oh, here's a job, and 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 this is good, and I'll spend the next forty six years here, and we'll be good. And once you're poisoned by that that entrepreneurial bug, man, it's 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 tough to work for somebody else. Well. The- you know, the, the one thing you start to, I think as you um, get more mature, yeah, that's code word for older, Yeah, as, <laughs> as, as you start to go through it, right, you start to all of a sudden understand that you probably have a bigger purpose yeah. than you've lived out to that point. And, and, it's, and it's by these various events that we go through that you start to learn that, you know, if everything's easy and you're just kind of chucking along, it, it, it is, you know, you know, I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody, you know, they were talking about the pandemic and how, you know, all the problems it's caused and da, 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 da. And I said, yeah, but I know this is going to sound like a weird response, but how many people has it actually freed up because they were really stuck in something that they, absolutely hated i i've said something very similar scott i agree with you a thousand percent you know so i mean nobody would like it to be this way no there's not a single person on the planet that would wish for what's going on at the same time sometimes it it takes that little extra nudge or whatever the case might be to 
you know, move past yeah. where you are to really recognize that, that you've got more talents and capabilities that you've given, than you've given yourself uh, credit for, or that there is more opportunity in a different place that quite frankly, you're more suited for whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, I agree with you. So, so you, um, <clears throat> You left there. What did you do next? What when you left that? Went out consulting. Oh, okay. And, and then it got absorbed by a company. I became their EVP. We did that. Wait, wait. We, so you started your own consulting company? Yeah. Okay. Started, started consulting. I, I've got this unique habit. I go consult for somebody, then they hire me. Yeah. And then we then we pioneer. Yeah. And then I go. Wait a second. I'm supposed to be out consulting. So I go do that again. Then I get hired right. again. I, I did that a number of times. I actually did that, that three times. Wow. And, and the, the uh, third time I was 10 year, 10 years into a five-year plan. Oh, and, wow. and I went, wait a second, what the heck am I doing? Well, yeah. And that's actually when I went out coaching, speaking and training. Wow. So, so, okay, this, by, by the time you decided to start coaching, speaking and training, you were what in your thirties, 40, 30? uh, let's see. I would have been a uh, math here. So. Yeah, really. This is, this is, nobody told me there was a math quiz. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. It was, it was probably, um, I think I was probably 40. 547, something like that. And it what's really funny is I said, Well, I'm starting early because one of my mentors, heck, he didn't he didn't write the first book that made him famous until he was 50. Yeah. And that, was, that was Jack Canfield. Yeah. They, Chicken yeah. Soup uh didn't launch until they were 50, that till he was 51. Mark and, Mark is one of my uh, he's a really, really good friend of mine. I, I was on the phone with Mark yesterday. Uh, I talk to him all the time too. So, so um, in fact, I tried to call him and he didn't call me back yesterday. So and maybe he's probably on with me. I apologize. Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> um, so, but it, so, so, um, so you, you started and, and that's a perfect age, 45, 47 to start your life over. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm I've done it though. You know, yeah. I look at, I look, that's one of the things that I think people don't understand is, you know, as long as I have, I, this is the way I view the world and it may be a really messed up way, but I, I watched the Elon Musk movie the other night, the, the, on Amazon prime um, it's Elon Musk, the real life Iron Man, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the, there was a, one of the professors or somebody's like the analyzing Elon and, and he's like, you know, he's most entrepreneurs have that, that thing where they, they get knocked down, but they, they don't, they don't see it as a, and it's, you're the same way. You don't see it as a, well, that's the end of it. I guess we're just going to stop there. It's like, no, it's that let's get up and figure it out. Well, I, I actually created five questions that I that I give work with my coaching clients and and I share a lot in in talks. Five questions for any situation to turn it into a, a learning event, and that is, what's the lesson? What's the gift? What did I do to create it? How would I modify it next time to make it better? How is this going to serve me the rest of my life? 
Mm. And if you take those five questions in any situation, doesn't matter what it is. Say um, those again, would you? Yeah. What's the lesson? What's the gift? What did I do to create it? How can I modify it next time to make it better? How will this serve me the rest of my life? Wow. So somebody, when I was teaching this uh, a while back and somebody said, well, my, but my, my kid just had a car accident. You're telling me I can turn that into a learning event? Yeah. What's the lesson? The lesson is they should have probably been paying more attention. Right. What's the gift? That they're still alive. What'd they do to create it? They might have taken their eyes off the road texting. How would they modify it next time? Don't text and drive. How's this going to serve me the rest of my life? I'm going to make sure that I that I share that I'm so blessed that my kid was okay, even though they didn't take the proper actions during that period. But now I want to make sure that you know how serious texting and driving is. That's awesome, man. I love that. So, so you, you, um, you started this coaching, coaching, what coaching, speaking and training (laughs) there, coaching, speaking, training, um, in your mid forties. Yeah. 45. Yeah. And, and, um, and how did that go? Uh, phenomenally blessed. I, um, Actually, that's what Mark and I were talking about yesterday. I met my speaking mentor at Mark Victor Hansen's mega speaking event. I thanked him again yesterday in 2003. Wow. Uh, I met my speaking mentor, John Childers. Um, just an amazing, an amazing guy. Yeah. And, and he had never recommended a speaker to anybody, even though he had trained thousands at that point. Somebody called him and said, uh, we need somebody. And uh, John recommended me, and I ended up doing uh, 1,500 events for that organization over the next five and a half years. My I, Lord have mercy. Yeah, I did 288 a year for five and a half years. I was getting ready to say that's like 300 a year. Yeah. It, it, that's it was, flying around the world? Yeah, yeah, I'd fly out on Sunday. I would speak twice, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes Friday. So eight to 10 times a week, fly home Friday afternoon and wash, rinse, repeat. At 50 grand a speech, that means you were cleaning up. Well, that would have been (laughs) awesome. Uh, But uh, no, I was, I was presenting uh, uh, an educational product from the front of the stage, but I did end up selling over $25 million of that product. Wow, dude, that is insane. So that, you, that's why nobody knows my name. They just remember the product. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I bought that from that guy. So yeah. um, and that Glenn, Glenn, nobody knows Glenn by his name, but they recognize his face for sure. Exactly. Oh, that does it all the time. He's like, I'm the, I'm one of the. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that yeah. guy. He's uh-huh. that guy. So, so. Um, Wow, that's incredible. So for five and five and a half years you were you were doing this and where did it go from there then? Well, then I mean, about at your like now, right? <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're we're still uh we're still a few years from now. Uh, but but um basically uh again, the economy changed, 
the, you know, we were back in the days where we could put 25,000 people in an arena, you know, and, and now people don't go get out to go to Starbucks for God's sakes. Right. You know, I mean, it's, um, the, the industry changed the, uh, a lot of things changed. The economy changed, the industry changed. It's just, it's another pivot there. There's been anybody who doesn't think that what they're going through now has happened before, hasn't been paying attention. You know, I mean, it's happened more than once, Uh, especially as I say, as you get more mature, you know, you you find out that you've been through this multiple times. Right. And it's, it's, you know, what have you learned from each of these events, you know, uh, going through, but anyway, um, that actually put me into, because I was doing so many talks, I didn't have the time to do some of the things that I wanted to do between writing, writing books and, and coaching and, you know, hard to get on a schedule when you're, you know, you're speaking twice a day for five days a week, you know, and, and quite frankly, I didn't, you didn't need to, either. Yeah. It, it was very, lucrative. I was very, uh, blessed, uh, to have that. So, yeah. So, so, um, how many books have you written? Um, I've either authored or co-authored 15. Good Lord. You're like Jeffrey Gittimer. (laughs) No. Now, if I'd only promote them well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. So, so, wow, that's a lot though. So, so what's, uh, what's your first book that you authored by yourself? The, the first book actually is talking with giants and hold it up a little further. Talking with giants, powerful leaders, share life lessons. And this came out of, um, it was actually at mega speaking when Cynthia Kersey made this impassioned plea to support Habitat for Humanity. And it, it literally hit my heart like nothing ever had. She said, women, we're going to swing all the hammers. We're going to build 40 homes in 40 days. We're swinging all the hammers, driving all the nails. Men, the only thing we need you for is your money. And I was with two friends and, and I said, did that hit you like it hit me? And, and the, both of them said, yeah, that's amazing. And the one on the right said, I'm going to write her a really big check. And he said how much it was. And it was a really big check. And <laughs> it was like, wow. And and the friend on the left said, I'm going to write her a check, but not that big. And I said, wow, it's still a big check. And they both looked at me and they said, what are you going to do? And mm. I said, I can't. And they said, what do you mean I, you can't? And I said, you know, I'm in a stock play. I'm the vice president of sales and marketing for a company moving my way into an, into the speaking business. You know, I make an okay living, but I don't have any extra money. Um, I can't just really write her a check. Mm. And they said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'm going to do something, but I have no idea. And so as I was sitting there, um, I went up to Cynthia and said, I, I'm Scott Schilling from Dallas, Texas. I know a lot of friends that have a lot of money. I can't very well ask them for their money to help me help you, but I'm going to figure out something. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. So I was sitting in the lobby at the LAX Marriott that, that night, mm. 6 PM. I got a 12, 15 AM flight out of there. Mark Victor Hansen and dear Abby walked by 
And Mark says, Scott, what are you doing? I said, I'm waiting for my plane. He said, come to dinner with Abby and I. Well, I went to dinner with he and dear Abby and, you know, a number of the speakers and some of the people that presented there. The dear Abby? Yeah, the dear Abby. It, Mark knows everybody. It, it was crazy. And, and I said, I'm sitting at this dinner and I went, man, I know some giant friends. Yeah. And I said, I, I can't really ask him for, what if I did a book where I featured them and how they went from who they were to who they became and then recognize that anybody who achieves any kind of success in life, for the most part, has this bent towards giving. And the whole book was designed around generosity builds prosperity, not the other way around. You don't prosper and give. You give, then prosper. You don't give to prosper. It's the natural byproduct. Yeah. And so I said, let me, let me promote them. And in doing so, I'll promote their charities. And in doing that, we'll have it fund, you know, give to Cynthia and the other charities. And so uh, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Harv Ecker, Cynthia Kersey, the CEO, Kimberly Clark. Their stories are all in the book on their causes, who they supported, why they supported, why we should support them with them. So again, I couldn't write a check, but I could do something. Amen. And, and so that's what I did. You know what, man? I You haven't seen me live, obviously. I talk about this all the time, Scott. You can always do something. I don't have any money. Go weed a little old lady's flower garden. Like, give. You got it. You have to learn how to give. And if you learn how to give, you can have anything you want in life. In fact, I, I think you're friends with Tom Ziegler, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I was over at the Ziegler headquarters, Tom gave me this. Right, you have it. I'm sure. I got it. it was just that's why I looked. I'm, it's it's I the very, it sitting here. I love the very first page. You open up the flap. You yep. open up the flap, and there it is. You can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. That that's that actually became my credo. Um, when when I read See You at the Top, I was 17. In fact, I, I was having uh, the last lunch I had with Zig before he passed. I said, Zig, you know, I read See You at the Top, and there was a quote in that book that forever changed my life. Um, you can have everything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want. Yep. Can I ask, when did you create that? And he leaned in and he said, <laughs> he, he said, Scott, I didn't create that. He said, my mama taught me that when I was five. Oh, my it was part of my christening when I was 12. Wow. I said, Zig, can I share that story? He said, I'd be honored. So wow. I start many of my talks um, with, with, I come from the Ziegler camp um, of, you can have everything in life you want when you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. It's a positioning statement. Uh, as a sales guy, I don't ever want to sell you anything, but I always want you to buy a lot from me. Therefore, it's my responsibility to create that environment for you to buy. Yeah. Do you understand that philosophy is Zig's philosophy? Yeah. And, and when, like when, if you were to call me on the phone, 
or ask me how I'm doing. You know, you only get asked that two gazillion times a day, right? Okay. Nobody cares, but they ask you. Right. When somebody says, Scott, how you doing? My answer is fabulous. And I'll get better. <laughs> and I share that directly because Zig, and I, and I told Tom this not too long ago, I said, I never realized how much an impact he had on my life. But Zig's answer to that was when anybody said, Zig, how you doing? He'd go, um, better than good. <laughs> I, was, I, I know. I love it, man. So Julie Ziegler, yep. she's a client of mine. We built her website. I love, I love, love, love Julie. And, and so she said, um, when I think it was when she was selling her house. I, I don't know, but she, she found a book and I, I have it here oh. in my library somewhere, but a book that Zig had studied this, these marketing guys, two brothers yeah. wrote this book on marketing back a while ago. And, and, and she sent me this book and it has Zig's handwriting in the, in the margins and highlights and circles and, uh, what a what a gift and a blessing! I love those people. They're amazing. Me, me too. Tom was just on my show not too long ago, and Julie was actually at that lunch where I asked Zig that question. Oh, really? And and it was funny. I didn't know Julie all that well at that point, and um, she looked over at me and she said, "Scott, um, can I share something with you?" And I said, "Well, certainly." She goes, "You don't know the book well enough." for what God's got planned for you. And I said, excuse me. Wow. And she goes, you don't know the book well enough. And I said, the book. And she goes, you know what book I'm talking about. God's got big things in store for you. And therefore you better start studying the book. Wow. So, I mean, like I'm got a little chill going through right now, okay. you know, um, Tom, we actually, Tom was on my uh, TV show slash podcast uh, on Zig's 94th birthday in heaven. Oh, wow. November 24th. Yeah. Uh, no, not November 24th, October 24th. Um, and it was so, um, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Sharon Zig's birthday with Tom. That's amazing, man. That's so amazing. Tom's been on this show. So's Julie. Julie's been on. Uh, <laughs> been on. I, I I love the I love those. And and Cindy, Cindy's who, awesome. I, I I asked Cindy to be on my show, and she goes, I, I'm I, I'm behind the scenes. Yeah, right. I'm the quiet one. <laughs> She's amazing. I love her though. They're just amazing. Yep. So so um, wow, man, I didn't know you knew Zig. Um, I didn't, I mean, obviously I, I grew up on, that's who trained me in sales. He, he never knew it, but that's who, that's, that's who trained me. And, and, um, I, I can remember, I, I tell the story. I, I had all of Zig's tapes and I would, I was a broke salesman at 21, 20. I, I mean, I, you know, but I would take his tapes and then I would copy them because I, everywhere I drove, I was, you know, driving all over the place selling and, and I would, that's all I'd listen to. I would listen to Zig before I'd go into a call. Like yeah. I had to, right. Yeah. And, and so and just something about that guy was it, it still, he's, he's magical to this day. And, and yeah. I never, like I said to Tom, I never realized how much he impacted my life and what I learned. Uh, you know, the one thing that people 
ask a lot, you know, Scott, what would you do or what would you share with somebody about, you know, how to grow their career or any of that kind of stuff? It's called mentors. Yep. You know, I've written checks to 19 mentors in my career. If I wanted to, if, if I wanted to learn something, you've got to get with the people who've already been there and done that. Yeah. And in each area of life that you want to know. And, and I was very fortunate again to be around, you know, Tom and Chris Dunham and Brian Flanagan and the, you know, the whole Ziegler team, those, those guys are amazing. Yeah. Right. And because they, you know, I love Chris Dunham because I mean, he, he was the guy that traveled with Zig for 22 years. Yeah. And I just love the way he imparts messages. Uh, you know, I, I wish one day to be as eloquent as he is, you know? Yeah. So it, it's amazing. Hey, yeah. Kelly, how you doing? Another masterminder of mine, Jeez, a friend of mine. Awesome. Uh, you know, isn't it amazing when you, uh, you got to surround yourself with, with, Surround yourself with who you'd like to be. Yeah. You know, because if you surround yourself with less than that, you're going to be less than that. Amen. Amen, man. I, and, I'm, honored, I'm honored to be on, on your show. I mean, I, I'm very serious I, about that. The I, honor is mine, man. I, I'm so honored that you're here. You know, I, I, I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you did. It, it would, it, Brian Tracy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I can remember again the the years don't I just can't I don't remember the exact years but I I, I bought the CD course the psychology of selling and the psychology of success and and I remember when Brian said in there and I used it, it, I've always done this it just came natural for me I don't know why um, but he said if you want more out of life as far as income or then then do more than you're paid for yeah and 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 that just made sense to me i think and and i'd love to hear your take on this i think that there's a lot of the 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 a lot oh gosh i hate picking on millennials but i think <laughs> there's a lot of i'm not picking on millennials but i think that there is a a mindset of if you want more from me, then pay me more. And, and, and I think that they have it a little bit backwards. <laughs> well, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, it, it kind of parallels Jim, Jim Rohn's, uh, you don't get paid for an hour. You get paid for the value you add to the hour. Oh, it, so true. Right. And, and I think it's the same thing. Here's, here's what I believe is available to us. I absolutely believe that if boomers would match with millennials, it would be amazing what could be accomplished because the millennials have the energy and the desire and the skill sets and the technology of knowledge. The boomers have the wisdom and the, and the stripes and the, they've been beat up over time. And most, not most, many, boomers are are upset with millennials because they're not willing to pay the dues. Well, the, the reality is they're just smarter. <laughs> they figured don't be whipped if you don't have to. Right. <laughs> we, 
didn't really have that choice. It was the only thing we could do. That's the only way we could learn. Well, now they don't have to learn that way. So I, I think that when, when you find a millennial that really has a desire to gain wisdom and you can sit and give them good counsel, it's amazing what can happen. And, and I said, you know, I somewhat agree with your statement, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, I think part of the responsibility lies in be a quality living example. Stop right. telling, show people, right? You know, facts tell stories, sell. What have you lived through? If, if, if you could save somebody from having to take that whipping, wouldn't you do it? Sure. Absolutely. You know, so why wouldn't you share the, the wisdom, the, the stuff that comes through? Like I said earlier, not everybody or not anybody is uh, going to go through life without a challenge. It doesn't exist. There right. are always challenges. It's not the challenge. It's what do you what do you learn from that challenge? How do you get through that challenge? All the extra information that you gain is so phenomenally important. And so if you've learned that, one of the things that I said to my mentors is give me everything you got and I won't keep it. I'll share it with my students. You know, so sometimes people say, God, you sound like Zig there, or you sound like Jack Canfield there, or you sound like Harv Ecker there. Well, that's where I learned it from. Right, right. I give I give credit where credit is due. You know, in the speaking profession, it's typically, you know, most people use the three-time rule. I learned this from Jack Canfield. The second time is I learned it from another speaker. The third time you say, well, as I've been saying for all these years, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know, I still quote my mentors, just like I quoted Jim Rohn there. Yeah. Because he deserves that. Uh, uh, there's, there's that. Straight <laughs> <laughs> from the the Kyle Wilson uh, yeah. library of quotes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Kyle's amazing. He's Kyle is fabulous. Well. Another, another amazing guy. Yeah. So, so, you know, this, um, this has been the year of um, change for sure. Um and and I, I think you know it's it saddens me. It actually breaks my heart that suicide rates are are at an all time high. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I say that only because I've been in that that mindset of what's the point of going on. I've 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 been there. Um, it, it, what do you think? What do you think the number one thing is? And I ask everybody this question, Scott. And by the way, the number one answer is fear. So you have to do better than that. Um, so what do you think is, it holds people back from success financially and, and um, freedom in, in life? Well, I was going to say fear. But <laughs> you set me I'm, up for that one, Ken. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, I think, um, and, and part of it is fear, you know, but see, I, even though that may be part of the answer, do you understand that there's one definition that fits two different words? And that definition is 
Belief in the unseen, assurance of the unknown. Well, that's the definition for fear. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen. And it's going to be negative. Mm. But that's also the definition of faith. Belief in the unseen, assurance of the unknown. It mm. hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen and it's going to be a great outcome. Mm. So I think the reality is it's where you lie on a single definition and whether you look at it in with a, a negative framework or a positive framework. One of the things that, that I do is I don't even say that the I say positive and less than positive. I try not to ever even say the, the N word, period. So to get back to your question, what holds people back from, from more is sometimes they, they don't, I don't think anybody purposefully messes up. I, I think they believe they're on the right path. And sometimes the right path takes longer than the time they allot it. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of times, see, and it's funny, so often in the, um, you know, in the training biz, right? People say, well, Ken, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? Well, you would state what your your real passion and your real purpose is, is about, I would right. believe. Right. Because you would do that because you had no predetermined thing that would hold you back. Well, I, I think that to a certain extent, you got to play full out. I mean, I lived through a near-death experience. I, I when And I sat for, for days in the intensive care where I, I swear they weren't trying to keep me alive. They were trying to understand why I was alive. And I yeah, finally talk, talk about that. What what happened? I, I know that was um you said six years ago. Six six years ago, um, six years and four days ago. Wow. Um I had a full-blown cerebellar stroke. And Jeez. if you understand what the cerebellum controls, it's speech, memory, fine motor skills, walking, talking, vertigo. By the grace of God, I walk wow. away like this. And so what you have to understand is it's you got to play full out that it comes back to other beliefs of all things work together for my good and God's plan and timing is perfect because mm. the reality is I think a lot of things that stop people are pre imagined and predetermined timeframes. See, in order to get into fear, we have to step out of the present and we have to go to an imaginary future that's not positive. But to have faith, we have to step out of the present and we have to go to an imaginary future that's now positive. Well, if you've got the choice, why wouldn't you choose that one? And so again, I think a lot of times people sit and they, they get stopped because everybody else is putting a time frame on them for what they perceive to be success. You know, there's so many quotes on it. Think, think back to when the, the light bulb was invented. You know, some people say it was a thousand steps, 10,000 steps, 14,000 steps, whatever the right number is, it was more than one. And, and the reality is when somebody said, to, you know, you've had all these failures. 
The answer was, I haven't failed once. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Right. And I think that's what holds people back from taking that step of action. The only way you can get feedback in life is to take an action. And I'm going to suggest you're going to take more wrong actions than you ever take right actions. Mm. But the only way to ever find the right action is to take an action. I had a client one time. She said, Scott, I'm stuck. I said, good move. She (laughs) said, no. She goes, no, I don't think you understand. I'm stuck. I said, no, I think I understand. Move. And she goes, no, you're frustrating me. I'm stuck. And I said, I know you're frustrating me. Move. (laughs) And she goes, what are you saying? I said, can you feel your right foot? She said, yes. I said, move it. She goes, okay, I did. I said, good. You're no longer stuck. The only way that you can ever figure anything out is to take an action. Yep. See, people think that there's, there's only two natural reactions when something happens, fight or flight. And in actuality, there's three. Fight, bring up your dukes. Flight, I'm out of here. But the third one is the most catastrophic, and that's freeze. Mm. And if you freeze and you're stuck, there's no feedback. There's no chance at feedback. Wow. You don't know whether you're right. You don't know whether you're wrong. You don't know whether you're on the right path or on the wrong path. I, I say there's only two answers in life, and I learned this from Jack Canfield. Hell yes and hell no. You know, when when the opportunity came to be on your show, are you kidding me? That's a hell yes answer. Hey, you, you did. You, uh, you may have the record with response. <laughs> like it was instant. So, so, you know, there was this time, let's say that, that, that somebody called you and they said, Scott, man, I, I I've tried everything and I I've, I, I, there was a time when um, my wife and I, had just met. We opened up an, an office together. Um, I, I joke and say she she came to work for me. She she loves that joke. Um, I'm sure she's probably yeah. still laughing. Oh yeah, she loves that. Um, but she, um, you know, we opened up an office, and and I had already had the company a couple of years, and and um, you know, fast forward six months, twelve months, whatever it was. And we had employees, they were all getting paid. And one of my employees walks in my office and, and I'm on a phone conference and he says, um, Hey, Hey boss, um, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And this is a big guy telling me this. And I'm like, why are you telling me, dude, go tell him to get the hell out of here. Like, and he goes, well, I would, but he, he's, he's blocking it with his tow truck. (laughs) Like, I'm going to have to call you back. And, you know, I look, my wife's on here. I strongly, <laughs> I strongly dislike and disagree with that joke. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, that was a moment of absolute, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is insane that, that I just had my car repossessed in front of my employees. That was a terrible day. And I was at the, like, I literally remember feeling like this is it. Life is over. 
And, and so if somebody were to call you and say, Scott, I've tried everything, man. I'm doing everything that I know how to do. I can't figure it out. My car was just repoed. My electric's being shut off tomorrow. I can't figure this out. I don't see the point of going on. What would you say to that person in that moment to help them overcome it? Realize that it's, it's temporary. Well, the first thing that I would do is suggest or, or ask if, in fact, they know anybody else that has any challenges in their lives at the moment. And everybody knows somebody that's got a challenge or multiple challenges going on. And I'd say, you know what? Why don't you invest in them? Why don't you call and see how you can be of service to them? Because what you come to realize is no matter how many challenges you have, and I have been through and am going through some of my own. I mean, you just are. Imparting to others and being of service to others, you start to understand what you do is valuable and you can value yourself and that things are temporary. They can't eat you. Yeah. You know, it, it goes back to another thing I learned from Jack, and I learned so many things from Jack. It's not what anybody else says to you that counts. It's what you say to you after they stop talking. You know, if, if I can add some value here today to anybody, I've done good. Mm. It's better than not being able to do that. Wow. And, and that's, you know, when, I, again, I live through something that many people don't. And, and if they do, they don't come through it the way I did. Yeah. And, and I'm phenomenally blessed. I take no credit for that. I was saved. I was saved for good works to move forward. How do you take that lightly? Actually, there's a little bit of pressure with that, quite frankly. But the point is, if you, in fact, invest in other people, you start to recognize what I got going. Yeah, I, I prefer it wouldn't, but let's do something else. You know, I, I've got value. Then, then look at it as a demarcation point. Yeah. To go do something else. You know, nobody, I can't imagine anybody on the planet right now that just goes, oh, I am so glad that we're in a pandemic. I can't imagine <laughs> anyone saying that. Right. But the reality is, I think what it's doing is it's making people understand their value and their worth. And, and, no matter who you are. I used to say this all the time. A seven-year-old can teach a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old can teach a 50-year-old. We each have our own value set. We each have our own USPs, our unique selling propositions. Yeah. There's, it, Mark Victor Hansen is a phenomenal guy. And Jack Canfield is a phenomenal guy. But they do it differently. Yeah. But when you put them together, they're amazing. Yeah. Everybody that we've talked to, Glenn Morshauer, 
is an amazing guy. I mean, I just love having the coffee and listening because he's brilliant at what he does. Yeah. But he's got a different sphere of influence. He's got a different frame of reference. He's got things differently than I have. Somebody, I was, I was doing a, a show last week and somebody said, I've got the best story on the planet. <laughs> and I said, I, I want to share something with you and I want to applaud you for your uh, embracing your story. But I'm going to suggest that everybody has the best story on the planet because their story is their story. Wow. There's only one person that can have their story and that's them. My story is the best, my story I can live, but can your story is the best your story you can live. Yeah. And Glenn's is the best he can live. And so the reality is we all have value. We have all been put here at this time for a time such as this. Yeah. We have all been put here to, to be an encourager, a lifter of, of men and women, a person who can pull back from our frame of reference and, and be able to share as long as we stay heart-centered, in authenticity, in integrity. Sometimes people say, Scott, gosh, you're so blessed. You've never had anything go wrong. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Right. I just don't wear them all on my sleeve, you know, but it, in my book, That Sucks What Now, I revealed stuff that I have never told anybody in my life. In fact, when my wife of 25 years read the, the preprint copy, she goes, how come I didn't know about this? <laughs> right. And I said, oh, I've never told anybody this before. I, I didn't realize that, actually. And she goes, I'm not just anybody. <laughs> so very good point to learn, by the way. Yeah. The, the, the point is, Ken, while that experience was not pleasant, not fun, not this, not that, it did set a, a place for you to improve from. Yeah. Or get smaller from one of the two. Amen. And, and we all have that possibility to take what we're experiencing. The only question is, are you vulnerable enough? Are you, I just started my new TV show slash podcast called Scott Schilling speaks. Yeah. And, and I've joked about it three or four times already in this interview. Nobody knows my name. I've done 2,500 live events, spoken to a million people live, and nobody knows who I am because it wasn't about me. It was the products I represented. Well, the reason I started the show, Scott Schilling Speaks, is because it's time for me to speak. I love that, dude. That's awesome. Show everybody your book, the, the, the newest one. That sucks. What now? Real world oh, solutions for getting through what you're going through. Love that. 
Absolutely love that. I'm going to add that to my Amazon store, Scott. I'm going to thank you. My, my Amazon store. So it's, you know, people say, Scott, is that, you know, why would you have such a negative title? I said, see, I don't look at it as a negative title. That sucks. I wish it wouldn't have happened this way. What now? No time to sit around and not take action. That yeah. sucks. What now? We're in the middle of a that sucks, what now mode. My speaking career started because of the SARS virus. My opportunity to get on stage is because two speakers canceled because they thought, you know, they might get infected. And, wow. and I said, when, when I got the opportunity, the person said, would you replace them? I said, well, I can die of SARS or die on stage. Let's go. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen came, heard me speak. They walked up to me afterwards, said, if you're not doing this professionally, you're not using the talents and capabilities God's granted you. See, dude, when you have those two come up and say that to you, like, you better pay attention. Well, like, that's, that's the point. You know, we all have that, that sucks, what now moments. We're living through a that sucks, what now? We got a pandemic. Well, that sucks. What now? You know, we, we've we've got this happening. That sucks. What now? You know, Glenn and I do a show together and, and we'll be on tonight, in fact, and probably. Um, and <laughs> you never know. You know, we, we, we don't plan it. We just call it the Ken and Glenn show. And then we do one Sunday night with Scott McCain, um, the Ken and Glenn show with a guy named Scott. But, uh, <laughs> you know, which is fun. We have a lot of fun. But but, you know, we talk a lot about that. I just lost my train of thought. What you were just saying. Ah, totally lost it. Well, we were talking about, you know, we're living through times that, that again, if, if you say that's why the subtitle is real world solutions for getting through what you're going through. Yeah. Everybody is going through something. Yeah. So how do you get through it? Yeah. You know, I mean, there, no, everybody's got it. You know, I mean, we're we're all on the planet together right now, and we're all going through through things that we probably would prefer not to. It, it's it's it, it's what Glenn talks about a lot is awareness, being a yeah. being a, a. You know, I've had these conversations. I know you have, where somebody calls you and they tell you everything that's going wrong in their life, and 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 they're like. You know, and, and then you offer them a solution, but then they have a problem for it. And then you offer them another solution and they have another problem for it. And and then the 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 infamous uh, or the, the 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 line that they, I love is when they say, well, I'm just waiting on God to to give me a sign. And I'm like, dude, you're on the phone with me. That's your sign. <laughs> like, well, that, that's what I say. Again, the, the 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 foundation of this book. Yeah, I realized after I finished writing it, is God's plan and timing is perfect, and that all things work together for my good. And and somebody posted earlier Romans eight twenty eight, which that's what that is. Yeah. But what most there are five lessons in those sixteen words of Romans eight twenty eight, and wow. the first lesson is the first three words, which almost nobody states. Yeah. to that verse. But the first three words are, as we know, all things work together. Yeah. As we know, we know this to be true. 
but we we try to deny that we know it. We try to to say I'm living in this this world where everything is perfect 100% of the time. The reality is that's fiction. Yeah. It, it doesn't exist for me, for you, for anybody, for all the, the big influencers of the world. Yeah. Right. I mean, my path is different than your path, but my path is no more important than your path. And your path is actually no more important than my path. Well, I, I got to tell you, I have the best story ever. <laughs> I had Scott Schilling on my freaking show today, and that's the best story ever because, dude, you impacted some lives today. I promise you, you've impacted my life. My wife set made a comment that you've you've impacted her life. You've impacted a lot of people today. So, Scott, we uh, this is supposed to be an hour. We're at an hour and twelve minutes, and I love every minute of it. I could talk to you all day. Um, I want to say thank you um, for for coming on today. And the other thing is, what is your um, what's your website where everybody can go check you out? Well, you can go to Scott Schilling Speaks or Scott Schilling Online. Why why did they put that C in your name? Just to get people <laughs> to uh, be upset about it. Takes Scott it from Schilling English to German. Scott. Yeah. Is it ScottSchillingSpeaks.com? Yes, ScottSchillingSpeaks.com. Okay. Uh, ScottSchillingOnline.com. And then... Again, I would love if anybody has any questions or if I've caused any questions because of this, my email is very difficult. Scott at ScottSchilling.com. Oh, <laughs> so, ScottSchilling.com. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, just, you know. You've got I mean, every face covered. I do. I got them all. <laughs> ScottSchillingGoesToTheBathroom.com. That's is, right. <laughs> <laughs> So. People saying they don't know is the very thing that gets in their way, in the way of their knowing. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Glenn's, a, Glenn's a wise guy. Like I said, I mean, I love yeah. listening to him when he teaches from stage. I, I love his premise and, and the way he presents. But when you sit and talk, it's, it's the same thing. Um, you know, just being able to phrase things. He is actually the one when I said, uh, all things work together for my good. It was actually Glenn that said, I encourage you to then follow that with not all things are easy. All things work to my good, but they're not all easy. Yeah. And so that was my knowledge from Mr. Morshower. Yeah. He's, he's, there's nobody. I, I, I mean, the dude is on a, on a different level than, than most of us. I love, love Glenn Scott. I love you, man. I love your story. I Thank genuinely you. am. I'm so grateful that you came on today and shared your wisdom. Um, where can, where's the best social media place for everybody to follow you? Um, Facebook is Scott Schilling and the number eight. Okay. Any of my, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook are all Scott Schilling eight. Okay. Scott, 
thank you for being on. Don't hang up on me, but I am going to end the live stream. But I, I want to say thank you seriously. And to anybody who shared this out, if you did not share it out, I'm going to go back and find out that you didn't. And I will publicly <laughs> shame you. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to everybody. We will see you all soon. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.